Welcome to Feeding the Family with Dr. Kristen, where we help you navigate the challenges of feeding your family and learn about the role food plays in our health and relationships. Feeding and food relationships can be stressful, confusing, and even destructive. I'm Kristen Saxena, a pediatrician and mother of four who's been researching and sharing what I've learned about feeding for over 10 years. In this podcast, I'll share my experience and expertise to help our kids and ourselves with everyday survival tips for real parents. This podcast is about progress, not perfection. So let's get started. Welcome back to Feeding the Family with Dr. Kristen, where we help you navigate the challenges of feeding your family and discuss the role food plays in our health and relationships. I'm Dr. Kristen Saxena, pediatrician, mother of four, self-proclaimed feeding nerd. And on today's episode, we have with us Larry Zier. He is an occupational therapist with the Zier Institute, and he's going to be talking to us a little bit about more of the social, emotional, and behavioral aspects that go into family mealtimes. And on our podcast, we have in the past been talking a lot about the benefits of family meals and all of the wonderful things that can come to you and your children from instituting regular family meals. But one of the caveats to that is that really to glean the benefits of those family meals, those meals need to be a somewhat peaceful and pleasant experience for all those involved. So as many parents of especially young children know, mealtimes can sometimes be quite stressful. So whether it is being stressed out about your child's behavior or picky eating habits or perhaps even concerned about them eating excessive amounts of food, mealtimes can really bring out a lot of anxiety and frustration and sometimes other unplanned or less pleasant behavior for us as parents. And so I think it's important to note that as parents, our own emotional and stress reactions can be very influential in our kids' behaviors and their development and how they handle mealtimes. So I'm excited to introduce Larry Zier an occupational therapist who's going to tell us a little bit more about what he knows about this. Uh, thanks for coming on the podcast, Larry. Yes, thank you, Dr. Kristen. You it's bet. It's nice to be here. So you're an occupational therapist. Can you first just maybe tell our listeners who might not know exactly what occupational therapists do, what you do every day? I, I will try and do that. Um, we spent probably about like half a semester at Creighton getting our elevator speech together for what is an <laughs> occupational therapist. And We'll get, you know, you help people find jobs, right? Or, oh, my grandma had a stroke and you helped her shower and learn how to brush her teeth again. Yeah. So certainly it is those aspects of activities of daily living that we do that we take for granted until they don't work. Um, so for kids, my primary population is kids and families. Kids' primary occupations are school, play, and then beginning to learn how to get dressed and, and eat and, and those types of things. So we support certainly the development of those skills. What we've learned is what you just talked about so nicely. Some emotions often get in the way. Expectations and judgments of parents about the way their child should be. Mm -hmm. Anger is a great one because it sometimes works, right? And some effective or not so effective ways. Fear that, uh oh, something's wrong with my child. 
Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be this way. It shouldn't be this hard. I hear that a lot. I just made the SpaghettiOs and cut up some bananas and, and they're throwing them all over the room. They're refusing. They're saying, no, what have I done wrong? So we also feel some guilt and shame from the parenting side. Getting what, what am I doing here? That's not working. Mm-hmm. So we try to help support the child in their development to see if there's anything maybe through their motor system, sensory issues sometimes get in the way of those activities. And then to explore from the parents, why do they have to eat bananas today? Why do they have to finish the, the Cheerios that we serve? So that is our work, getting maybe beyond the behaviors to find out why. What are the causes and conditions going on inside of here? Mm-hmm. So then in your work, what would you say are some of the more common concerns or worries around feeding or mealtimes that parents are coming to your clinic with? So at our clinic, the primary ones would be the picky eaters, the chicken nuggets, ketchup. Maybe that's it. So mm-hmm. a very limited palate. So lots of fear about not getting enough nutrition, not growing some failure to thrive issues on the far end of that. I would say probably the bigger one is not fitting in with what's that going to look like at school. They go over to a friend's house limited. So that's the parent fear, but it also becomes the child's fear around, Oh, second, third grade. You start to see them become a little conscious about what if they don't have the kind of chicken nugget I like, what if they don't have the right brand of ketchup? Mm -hmm. So it's those simple things that can start to create some anxiety for that child too about sleepovers and barbecues and going to things with the family. So then you see a child refuse, no, I don't want to go lock themselves in their room. And we got the family barbecue in a half hour. Right. Now we got issues. Right. So things are escalating a lot of times. And, and all of a sudden it's really no longer about the food right now. It's about that bad behavior of the child, not listening. Mm-hmm. That's a big one from parents. They don't respect me. Two big key components of successful parenting is if my kid listens Mm -hmm. and respects me. So what we challenge the the family system on is what are you really after? Is it compliance or relationship? And it starts out a relationship, Larry, of course, we just want to have a great relationship with our child. Within several months, they realize that's not true. They Mm -hmm. really need compliance out of their child few months down the road. Okay. Maybe relationship is key. And we try to show that, Hey, through relationship, we may still get to that behavior that we want. Trying a green bean, trying to pee. How about a little yogurt, right? If we do that from a relational lens versus a top down power and control lens, we might be more effective. Well, I think as a parent, I think that's sort of sometimes as you're approaching it in your own mind. You have this one mindset where you really crave and hope that you have a wonderful relationship with your child now and sort of set the stage for a wonderful relationship with them as they get older. So you have that sort of voice in your head, like, of course, I want this great relationship with my kid. And on the flip side, you know, you have sort of the old adage, like, I'm your mom, not your friend, and I need to be the authority. And I'm, I'm the one here in charge of making sure that things are going well to a certain extent, right? So you have this sort of 
on one shoulder, I'm supposed to be the authority. And on the other shoulder, I'm, I really want to make sure I have a good relationship with you. And I find even I find as a parent, sometimes it's difficult to figure out, well, how do I respond to this situation? Because sometimes it's hard to know what to do when you're trying to accommodate both of those identities, I guess. No, I think it's really challenging. And I think we try to help parents step back and think about what is effective, what feels good to you, and trusting that. So we might have some of our parents' judgments about you will finish your plate. Mm-hmm. You will put the dishes in the dish. You will, do, you know, but those are things that we learned as a child. And maybe if we didn't do them, it was not safe necessarily. Maybe we lost privileges or had to go to our room or love was withheld until we behaved to make our parent feel better. Mm-hmm. So we step back and say, when did you learn that they had to do these things? Well, when I was seven, and it was a pretty big deal. So what's the work at that point? So to challenge the, the expectation judgments of me as a parent and what my child needs to do. Is it true that my child needs to finish the green beans? Mm-hmm. Yes or no? Sometimes, yes, yeah. they have to finish. Okay, so let's say that's we take that track. We're going to take the power. You have to finish your green beans before you can go out and play. No, you have to. You have to. Kristen, you have to. Would you let go of that iPad? You've been holding that iPad for a really long time. Let go. No, right. would you please? You, you. When I start youing, I'm attacking. Mm-hmm. And what does your nervous system feel like doing? You feel like not doing exactly what you tell me oh, to isn't do, right? That so interesting. it becomes a power struggle, right? I felt a little intensity, just, you know, we're and this is even play. This isn't even real, but your nervous system was picking that up as an attack. Mm-hmm. You need to, you should, you have to, you. Nervous system's whole job is really to keep us alive, right? That's what the brain and the nervous system is really trying to do. So sitting on a couch, watching TV, eating potato chips, just in case it needs a little carbs to, to, to go be safe. That's a great place for the nervous system. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't care about how accurate it is, right? I'm sure you've been vacuuming or you'll reach into a couch and either a dust ball goes by or you touch something kind of, and your hand pulls back and your heart rate goes up. Well, it wasn't a deadly mouse or a, <laughs> a, a, a poisonous snake in the couch, but your brain says, Hey, we got to stay safe. So for that little child's nervous system, when it starts getting youed, attacked, it, it doesn't necessarily go to its frontal cortex and go, oh, hey, this is just my mom. She has some leftover issues from her mother in childhood, <laughs> and we're going to be okay. Right. It triggers attack, and it says, no. It says, get away, or it runs away. Mm-hmm. All triggers for parent of not listening, lack of respect, And when it feels like we're losing control, fear takes off. What do we start to do? Control more. Mm -hmm. Come back. Sit down. Now, I'm going to give you an extra helping of green beans. You know, a little punishment starts to show up. So is that effective, Kristen? Well, I mean, I think that's a really good question because when you, I always try to think of, you're acting in the short term, but it's always you have to think about the long term. So really in that short term, 
yes, like in your heart of hearts, you just want your child to be compliant and do what you want them to do. However, really in the long term, like you said, I mean, do you really want a child that is compliant or doesn't have strength of will? Probably not. So I think of those things, but at the same time, everything that you mentioned, I feel like, I mean, I've, I've been in that situation. I've said, you know, you can't have your iPad. You can't do this until you do these things I want you to do. And so I guess it's hard to know as a parent, what, what am I supposed to do instead? So let's just roll with our green bean example. Okay. All right. I'll be dad. You'd be Kristen, the, you know, third grader that has to eat these big pile of beans. beans. Yes. I do love green beans. (laughs) Well, what's something you really don't like? Water chestnuts. Really? Okay. So water chestnuts. So we attacked you on the water chestnuts. You have to eat the water. (laughs) Kristen, I got some bad news for you today. Guess what vegetable I made? I'm not even sure if it's a vegetable, I don't, but I it's think called it's a, a water chestnut. So, but, yeah. <laughs> but that's what I made. And as a, as a dad, I feel guilty if I don't feed you something healthy. I know you had your M&Ms earlier and your Reese's pieces. And, but what do you think? Could we just give it a shot? Half a bite of the water chestnut today, just to see if it really is bad as you think it is. My mom used to make me eat these things and I didn't really like them either. Yeah. So what are you feeling now? Well, I, I think I'm kind of a people pleaser, so I would say, sure, I'll eat a little bit. <laughs> so out of, okay. So, but did you feel but you resistance? Were kind. You were kind did of, you feel like you, was there an attack back there? Could you still say no potentially? Yes. That I would say I would have felt comfortable saying, I appreciate that, but I don't like these. And I understand because there are some really gross things that I don't like either that I was forced to eat as a child. And here I am doing it to you. You mm-hmm. think I would have learned my lesson. <laughs> well, let's go see what else is in the fridge. Maybe there is a vegetable in there that you'd be willing to try. What do you think? You and I, let's go take a look. Well, and that would be great in my mind if, if I only didn't eat water chestnuts, right? But if this was like one of 17 million things I didn't eat, Mm-hmm. And the only thing in the fridge that I was going to eat, in my mind, were the chicken nuggets and the special ketchup. So that to me is like the catch where I would be sure if this, if you were my kid that ate everything and there was one That's thing you didn't easier. like, I see that. Yep. I'd be like, I understand we all have things we don't like. But when I feel like it's, because I think it's a, it's a slippery slope between like accommodating your short list of foods that you want to eat and sort of reinforcing that behavior in some ways, which I see frequently. Um, and I find it easy to fall into that trap, but also giving your child sort of that feeling of free will and that they have choice and that they can make decisions for themselves to some extent. So you beautiful. So yes. So you just answered the question. We, we leave that short-term chicken nugget green bean and we help that child develop an internal sense of agency. Mm-hmm. I didn't say you had to do anything. I hopefully implied that, hey, water chestnuts, sometimes you're going to like stuff, sometimes you're not. Mm-hmm. I validate and understand. Right. There might be some other options out there. Didn't even really force that. But the next time you show up at mealtime... The next time you show up, the idea is we're going to create some flexibility. You're not in trouble. Nobody's attacking me. And maybe I try it. I mean, that's, it's Mm -hmm. easy here around the, 
the microphones and that type of thing. But we are trying exactly what you said, that internal agency, that internal sense of self. Nobody's forcing. I do have power in this. I can try a green bean and stop. I don't have to eat 28 of them. Right. Right. Okay. So that's an easy example, but now let's say there are some textural issues mm -hmm. that yogurt or whatever word really just almost creates a gag reflex in a child. Mm -hmm. I had a kid like this. Okay. He kind of grew out of it, thankfully, but. Okay. But you probably didn't know that at the time when you were trying to get him to eat a healthy right. uh, plate of food. Mm -hmm. Right. And I don't know if this is your story, but some parents will continue to try. Has anybody ever gagged? we got a couple of folks in here, the mats. And have you ever gagged? What, what's that? Sure. Your system is doing what? I don't, it's like a panic rejection, I guess. Keeping you alive. <laughs> oh it's yeah. Saying, this isn't working for me. This needs to get mm -hmm, out. Mm -hmm. Well, just one more bite, just one more right. bite. So we're working against the body's system that is saying to stay alive. Now it may not be rational, but for whatever reason, the nervous system is saying, this is not working for me. It's doing what it's supposed to do. The authority, I mean, it's almost the ultimate in power and control is saying, you need to override what your system is saying mm -hmm. and do it anyway, because I have more power over you. And this is sometimes when parents say, yeah, well, this isn't really working for us, Larry. We, uh, and this is when I we can always use the parent card, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We are the authority. We know about some safety issues. There are some things parents know that children don't. So we're not saying we're going to do whatever the child wants to do whenever they want to do it. But let's use the parent card as last resort. Mm -hmm. Because when I start to attack, that's going to, that little one I did about, would you let go of your iPad? When I used you, I did a little damage to our relationship. Your nervous system, the next time it sees me, He's not always safe. We've mm -hmm. got to be careful there. Just not accurate, but it just, it's going to remember that because it wants to stay alive and it, you've been attacked by me. So it has that little piece in there. If I play the parent card, we do some work around now. How do we do a repair? Because we can always clean it up. Mm -hmm. Right. Hope so. so we're going, yeah, we can, but once that parent card is played, it usually is an attack. How many times have I forced my child into the car seat? Not anymore. They're grown. But when they were little, pick them up, <clears throat> clip the, and you're just like, finally. Well, that's taking a body against its will and forcing it in and strapping it in. I right. think in some places, if I do that to an adult, I think it's illegal. Right? <laughs> Probably most places. <laughs> but it's okay for to do that to our children, right? Mm -hmm. So some of our work is to challenge some of these ideas and beliefs that the system just picked up. We mm -hmm. aren't judging them as good as bad or right and wrong. Are they effective? Mm -hmm. Are these things working to build me the relationships that I want, the compliance that I need in a busy family of four kids and I've got four daughters and with school and activities, it can get very, very busy. Yeah. And we talked about this before. Well, who signed them up for all of the activities? So we get Guilty. to explore <laughs> some of those expectations mm -hmm. in there about, okay, not only do they need to eat more than chicken nuggets and ketchup, they've got violin, skateboard lessons and voice and soccer and da, 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 da. So what are we creating? We do some work around this too, the whole family system. Mm -hmm. What's happening in a family system. So this comes back to those emotions when there is a lot of anxiety. What's that emotion? 
fear. What's the action urge of fear or anxiety? Control or run away? Mm-hmm. Fight it, or flight kind of deal. Does that mm-hmm. help build relationship? Probably not. If I'm running away, it's kind of hard for us to connect. Mm-hmm. If I'm feeling a lot of guilt, what am I doing? I'm just taking a bunch of money out of your purse when you ran to the restroom. I'm going to avoid you. Mm. Does that help build relationship and connection? No. I'm avoiding you. I didn't eat my green beans. I didn't eat the corn the day before. I'm really disappointing my mom. I didn't. Do- so now I'm going to avoid you. Shame. I'm feeling unworthy and not enough. More avoidance, but now I'm avoiding self. Mm. False self, perfectionism, blame others. We see this in a lot of parenting as well. So we try to drain shame pools as quickly as we can. So those three emotions, unregulated, mm-hmm. are not going to support relationship. So, and I think we did talk about this before, but as you mentioned it, the in your example, it's those feelings that are now the child is having guilt or they're having avoidance. Um, they're having this conflict, but does, I think you alluded to it, it often roots maybe to some of those similar experiences or the similar emotions within the adult, which are probably deep rooted from their childhood or their years of experience up to this point in parenthood. And so how do you, how do you, address it when you kind of have a more immediate need to help them fix their reaction or sort of their emotional regulation with their child around feeding when they probably have years of emotional baggage or emotional repair that they need to deal with. No, that's a great question. And from an occupational therapy lens, we don't get a lot of mental health training. So we've had to do some of that on our own. We also know when we kind of are crossing our boundaries into trauma, addiction, there's some areas we just, it's time to go see, you know, your own people. What we find though often is that the child is coming to us to be fixed, to help the family feel better. And that's a lot of responsibility to put on a child. They're broken, child gets better, we're going to feel better. Mm-hmm. So I, we almost don't treat just kids. It really is a family system. So we're going to do parent work right along with the child work we're doing Mm -hmm. and then bring them back together. Once we have these tools of regulation and Mm -hmm. aware of, I do get pretty angry when he doesn't get green beans. Why am I getting so angry about green beans? Because it was dangerous at my house not to eat green beans. So really I realized I'm just trying to protect my little child Mm -hmm. from my old tapes. Well, that sounds a little, well, that that's not working very well, is it? Okay. What's underneath the anger? Anger is an emotion, healthy emotion of protection. When we're under attack, we get angry. Bear comes in the cave less than 1% of the time. So when we can look at that anger and go, okay, hold on, let's take a breath here. There's no threat to my life, health, or well-being here. There's some fear. That my mm-hmm. child's not getting the nutrition he needs to, to grow and be healthy. Right. All the other parents' kids are eating everything they're supposed to be eating, going to bed on time, not spending too much time on the screen, doing their homework without being asked. We have all these notions that all these other families are doing it perfectly. Right. And what's the reality? 
that none of that's true. We are really complex little systems mm -hmm. just, just to stay in touch with ourselves and figure out and then to have to bring in another and connect and learn from, if I know every time I sit down to eat, I'm going to be judged. How does that feel? Right. Uh, is, you're getting a second piece of cake there, Kristen. Is that, is that number two today? It's only five 30. Right. Are you, what, ooh, what are you thinking? How does that feel? Not good. Yeah. And so, so a lot of role play, we do a lot of role play cause we can get those feelings generated and then say, okay, what do you think that feels like on the other side? I wouldn't want to sit down at the table either. That's one of our big issues. We can't get everybody to come sit at the table and have, what did you say? A peaceful, pleasant meal, ple <laughs> really hard to do. But when we talked about if the child's feeling fear, Mm -hmm. messing it up, disappointing mom and dad, fear, we're going to run away. Right. So that nervous system is doing what it can to protect itself. It's feeling guilty about how many times it hasn't done it right. Mm -hmm. That nervous system is going to avoid. So what we find, once we can begin to understand the behavior driven by emotion, what do you think intervention starts to look like? Or how do you think parents maybe move in now? Well, I mean, I think that it could go to two camps because mm -hmm. I think it sometimes is overwhelming to think, oh man, like this is my problem. <laughs> in the sense okay. that I, you know, you came in here thinking that your child had a behavior that you wanted fixed and all of a sudden it's like, oh great, like this is, this is my anxiety, this is my frustration that's causing or at least contributing to the frustrating situation. So that we're let's having. say we've given you the tools mm -hmm. and you're now able to regulate that initial anger of eat those beans mm -hmm. to, okay, hold on. I just have a little fear about nutrition and I can then go into my brain and actually do a little problem solving. Wait a minute. They did a little breakfast. They had something, they did have two pieces of salami. Okay. <sighs> Their weight's not dropping fast. Okay. Hold on. Right. Now, knowing that they're running away is driven by fear. What did you do with your little, your little baby? One years old, feeling fear, crying, sad. Um, what did we do? You always just console them like babies cry and you respond and console them. And your one year old could say, mom, I'm feeling a lot of fear right now. Mm -hmm. What would you do? I would try to make them not be scared. I guess I would ask them why they were scared, explain to them why they Validate, shouldn't be. Yeah. Move in comfort, but now they're eight mm -hmm. or 12 and they're telling you the same thing. I'm feeling some fear right now. I think I might screw it up. I'm feeling some guilt about not quite measuring up in the family around mealtime. How do you move in now from your regulated self? Oh, from my regulated self. <laughs> Hopefully the same way, really validate it. A little more empathetic. Right. Understanding. So that's why it's imperative that we do the parent work. But that was like a very articulate thing for an eight-year-old or 12-year-old to come say, you know, I'm feeling. Mm, we read the behavior, <laughs> Kristen. Mm -hmm. If they're running away, just that behavior tells us it's got to be some fear. Mm -hmm. Right. That's just that action urge of the fear response, some guilt, avoiding, mm -hmm. I feel guilty about, they may not be able to say it, but we can see that's what's going on. 
Then there's something called co-regulation. When we can come in, not from top-down power and control, but oh, tell me more. Looks like mm-hmm. something's really cooking here. Oh, what you're saying is, okay, green beans are the worst. Well, that makes me really sad because I love green beans. And I think if you eat green beans, you're going to grow up to be strong and healthy. Right. And so my parenting stuff's getting in here. So what can we do? Now we get to problem solve. And we're, we're regulated. Systems are regulated. Now we can share an idea. Mm-hmm. Well, I think two things yeah. that came to mind while you were saying that. Number one was kind of, as you said, you know, if, if my child was maybe able to articulate saying like, I'm having these fears, I'm feeling uncomfortable at the table, that would be one thing. But I think that the step that at least is hard for me is like you said, it doesn't come out as often a well-articulated emotion. Often it's having to read into their behaviors. And I think that for me at least, and maybe other parents, sometimes it's the misinterpretation of some of those behaviors that instead of identifying it as sort of this fear or discomfort, you kind of you you interpret it as non-compliance or them not listening to you or not being respectful. Or I think for me, I just, you know, I know that I have a tendency to try to shut down negative feelings or negative emotions in my kids. And so I, d- I know I have that problem and I try to be better about it. Like we need to let you have these feelings, but I feel like that's not an uncommon response is sometimes like you're you're sad or you're mad. And so either I'm going to just cater to whatever's making you sad. So if you're sad about dinner, I'm just going to go make you a new dinner. Fix it. Or I'm going to get mad at you and tell you to stop crying about dinner. You're in trouble now because I want you to stop. And I think it's a lot about my discomfort with your feelings, um, but it can kind of go one way or the other. And Either way, either, you know, we're just letting the child make all the decisions in the house because we don't want to see them sad or upset, or, you know, we're telling them it's not okay to have feelings and you need to stop that. And so I, I think that for me, at least that that's something that I could see as a response to that, that clearly wouldn't be a very positive response in the long term. So, so yeah, let's let parents off the hook here. Most of us were raised in the system of behaviorism and power and control. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have these tendencies because that's how we were raised, parented, and that's in our toolkit, Mm -hmm. right? And if we think about when and where were you ever introduced to the emotion being the driver of behavior, probably not till we sat down and had our Thai food. (laughs) We really don't, emotions have normally been uh, feminized, Mm -hmm. thought of as weak, um, not valuable Mm -hmm. in business and different places. So we don't have the tools. So what that response, what you just shared there, that drives a lot of the guilt and shame of parenting when they start to see and realize, whoa, this might be a little bit about me, Mm -hmm. but we don't have tools to do much with it. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's why we've created space to allow parents in to explore some of that. Because when I say, okay, now go call a psychotherapist for you 
and your husband. It feels like a tall order. Well, it feels like by the time I dig through all my baggage, my kid will be in college. And so, so much for dinner, right? A very good point. And I'll tell you just from experience, two, three, four months of exploring your triggers when you were complicated, but when it comes to some of like, it's pretty powerful to realize there goes that anger again. Mm-hmm. There's no bear coming in the cave. Hold on. I'm just afraid you're not going to get enough to eat. Right. I'm not afraid you're not. You're, so one of the things that I've talked about for a long time and that I've become a big believer in is, I don't know if you're, are you familiar with Ellen Satter? Or no, some but of you should. Sure, yeah. Right. So two of her big concepts are really structure to meal times and snack times. So having just a regular pattern through the day where you eat, you eat your breakfast, you have your snacks, just whatever it works for you, but that's sort of a normal pattern, kind of making it dependable for your child. They'll know that when they're going to be fed, and it also sort of prevents a grazing throughout the day sort of pattern. And then the division of responsibility, meaning that the parent's job is to decide when you're going to eat, where you're going to eat, and what's going to be served. And the child's jobs are to decide how much they're going to eat, if any, of what you serve. And I found that a very useful tool in terms of helping with some of those mealtime struggles. The structure kind of allows people to come to meals and snacks hungry because they haven't, you know, like you said before, you ate your M&Ms and you ate your Reese's. Well, you're not going to eat dinner because you're already full of all the candy that you love. So you're kind of setting yourself up for failure a little bit. And the hardest part, of course, in all of that was really that piece where it was the child was going to decide how much or if any, they're going to eat of what you're served. But along that model, you're not supposed to then offer them something as an alternative. The thought is just, you know, that's fine. We have set snacks and mealtimes, so I'll see you at the next snack and mealtime, and hopefully you'll like what I have for you then, if that makes sense. So I would be interested to hear what your thoughts are on that, um, and if you have any other advice or anything that would kind of go along with that or oppose that. So the first part... If we just I, I come back to the central nervous system in the sen- safety mm-hmm. connection and then problem solve and figure stuff out, there is something about a nervous system knowing at eight and 11 and three and seven, something's going to happen. And I know what's going to happen. Mom and dad go to the kitchen, things come up. So yes, that creates some sense of safety. Security. Security. Mm -hmm. Ooh, okay, this feels good. So all of a sudden I have a nervous system that is regulated, at least around fear of not being able to eat, if that's our scenario here. So then part two was shared responsibility, but I didn't, yeah, part two felt a little power and Mm controlling, but I like the idea of shared the shared now when they're we're talking different ages there's lots of pieces sure. to this there's medical issues we didn't really talk the sensory issues motor planning issues there, there's things that go into it <sighs> shared how do we share number two i think there's lots of neat ways that we could work on relationship there mm-hmm. right all right 
mom has a plan. Here's the plan for the meal. Chicken cutlets, rice, and green beans. Weigh in, rank which one you like, which one you don't like. So they're developing their internal sense of self. Mm -hmm. They get to say, mom, the chicken thumbs up, uh, rice. I like the brown rice better than the white rice, medium. You know about the green beans, mom, thumbs down. (laughs) But they're having a voice in that. And then maybe you're attuned to, you give them two green beans instead of a whole. All right. So now they're being, they're being listened to and heard. They got two chicken cutlets instead of one because that's their thumbs up. Mm-hmm. And in, you, so involving them a little bit more in the process, which that's I think where I thought you were benefits. going with that number two. It felt kind of like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to make it. And then you have a choice. I, I get that. Um, and then I think I would say, great, Kristen, is it effective and working? Mm-hmm. Is it building you the life you want around food and relationship? Or is it feeling a little too, I'm going to a lot of parent cards, Larry, still. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's find out when you said mealtime challenges, what are the challenges? Because challenges is just a judgment. They don't eat fast enough, make too much of a mess. They don't finish anything. Mm -hmm. They only eat one thing. So what's the challenge? Why? Is it because they're trying to exert some control in their lives? Mm -hmm. Sometimes we see that. Sometimes, Which is normal development, I think, is another thing as parents to keep in mind that it's actually. But not a lot of parents. I mean, you're a pediatrician. This is the stuff I read about and do all day long. So we know that. That is right. not known. But even for me, it doesn't get, always make it easy. Uh, when you they know? start to have power uh-huh. and say no. Right. And make a, yeah, it, it can become challenging, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're not doing what they're supposed to do. When did you learn that they were supposed to do what you want them to do? Mm-hmm. We got to we got to challenge that, right? Well, or do we? What if they do whatever we tell them to do? Whenever you alluded to it earlier, you know, is that really great. the kind of kid that you want to raise? Do though? we want to raise externally mm-hmm. motivated children? Mm-hmm. Some days, yes, <laughs> but really, once they get into middle school in high school and then maybe leave for college or a job, mm-hmm. who's going to be their external regulator decider? Yeah. Their friends, potentially peers, mm-hmm. social media, and I'm not saying good, bad, that? but it could be another teacher, another, sure. but the stronger their internal sense of self is, we find they're able to say no set the healthy boundaries around. Mm-hmm. I mean, what are the big things coming? We got sex, we got drugs, rock and roll pill. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of stuff coming. And then what am I going to do? Am I going to study? Am I going to go out with my friends? Am I going to, where's dad? Do I go out or not? Mm-hmm. Uh, and our system is going to be much more driven by social. Right. Boom. It's off and I think that speaks to the fact that if it's all because of your, your control, then as soon as they're outside of that control or can sneak around your control, then they I think they're much more likely to engage in some of those less um, healthy behaviors than if, like you said, they kind of have an internal locus of control where they feel like they're making those decisions for themselves and not just to not get in trouble or not get caught. Beautiful. So if we give them that internal locus of control and they eat nine chicken nuggets and one green bean, Mm -hmm. what do we do with that? 
that was their choice. You're like, man, you got to stop at five. No. Whose work is that? It is hard, though, because even within that sort of sadder division, it was they're going to eat as much as they want. Well, do I want my kid to sit and eat, you know, a whole bag of cookies? I don't. So, so it is. Why not? Why can't they eat a bag of cookies? I don't know. I mean, I think that's the question, right? But I'm not saying good or bad. You're not saying they can't. They have a judgment, right? But it is. It's sort of like, I mean, where do you draw the line? I think in terms of those things, and maybe maybe that's lessons that everyone needs to learn. But on the flip side, it's like, you know, then if all of a sudden your child is you know, very overweight, for example. And they're like, well, you're letting her eat entire bags of cookies. I mean, I think that those are the fears that that would come from something like that. So I think that that's the hard part is striking. Is there a balance that needs to be struck? That's the question. Really. I think it's a great question. Mm-hmm. And I think we don't know until we dive in. Right. Two things are really helpful there. Mindfulness mm-hmm. about what's happening today. Mm-hmm. Because so often we'll drift into the past. I should have been a better example. We should have eaten more vegetables. I should have served fresh fruit. I should have kept the juice out of their diets. Now they're hooked on those juice boxes. There's nothing we can do. Mm-hmm. Right. So a lot of shame. Or I move into what are they going to do when they get to middle school, when they go to friends, when they, how are they going to eat then? Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Anxiety, fear. Right. Depression, shame. What are the two action urges of shame and fear? Avoid self and shame, run away in fear. Are you available for right here, right now, mealtime with your kids? So we miss out on that connection and attunement about what's happening in this beautiful time right now. Right. With maybe two juice boxes. I got a little healthier ketchup. I got that natural one instead of the super sugary one. Oh, I found some chicken nuggets that are an option that, uh, and maybe I join them in a chuck it nugget eat off. Right. We try four different kinds of chicken nuggets. We're going to have a little competition. See which <laughs> one is our best. So we're internal sense. We're validating chicken nuggets, but now we have choice. We're going to try some different kinds of chicken nuggets. That would be one thing we would try within. Sure. Relational, attuned, and isn't it more fun and joyful to be in that space yes. than fighting another nervous system? Yeah. So another question I have is, so what do you think for people listening, what do you think fall, what should be a sign that they should reach out maybe to somebody like an occupational therapist like yourself, where you feel like this has maybe gone beyond what is just run of the mill picky eating or something that maybe I should just try to address at home or what are signs where it's maybe these usual tactics that I'm going to try are, are likely to not be successful because there's something more significant. Okay, good. So, so food is life. If we don't eat and get some level of nutrients out of it as a pediatrician, you know, that that's not going to work for their nervous system. Right. Mm -hmm. So you're going to look for signs of tiredness of low energy. um, Can't pay attention, losing weight, some of those significant skin color. um, Those are going to be things that hopefully I would be working with the pediatrician to say, okay, 
what's going on here? We really are not, they're down 14 pounds off of 80. That's, that's not going to fly. So we're going to be, but that's it. If we can come back to today, 97% of the time we aren't in that acute phase. Those do happen. We do have those. It is not acute, Mm -hmm. but our brains have taken us into the future. Oh my gosh. If all they ever eat is chicken nuggets, they're never going to mount to a world traveling eater of great <laughs> delicacies, right? right? So, yeah. So I would check in around those significant health issues and they're going to be obvious, right? If they are not, you're going to see it in their behavior. You're going to see it in their activity level and then just in their weight. Those yeah. are the big things. And I don't know this. I'm not a nutritionist, but people have eaten relatively not nutritious food and grown up to be okay. <laughs> right. I mean, right. And I think this is another great one. It's not always going to be like this. It's not always going to be like this. And that's so hard as a parent when you're in the trenches with, I don't know, that time frame. I mean, little to maybe 10 when it is busy and active and everybody's asking for something different and you're just trying to please and you have your own stuff to get done. And it is intense, right? Yes. But to remember that this too shall pass. Perfect. Next week, it's going to be a little different next week. And if we're doing it through joy and pleasure and connection, it's going to be a lot more fun and we can get the help when it is on fire. Absolutely. I think that was a great suggestion. I think you touching on the point that really that piece of joy and pleasure and connection far more than what we're serving for dinner or what the child is actually eating is probably that biggest piece that we can take away from it. So... And now it's time for your questions. Ask me anything with Dr. Kristen on the Feeding the Family podcast. Okay, so our first question is, how do you get your child when they're in the middle of a tantrum? What is a good response for you as a parent to take? Okay, Um, there's a a couple. All right, So, so tantrum is a judgment. Usually it is that nervous system saying my world is not working right now. Mm-hmm. Something is not okay. So I'm hungry. I'm tired. I'm not getting what I want. Right. Right. So what do we do if we know that this nervous system is reacting in if tantrum, sometimes they're angry, they're attack mode. Sometimes there's tears of sadness. We didn't talk about, but if you see tears, that's about grief and loss and a little nervous system that hasn't had great experience can't always hold that idea of tomorrow Mm -hmm. and that my friend will be here at this park tomorrow. It feels very immediate and right now. So the tantrum of leaving transitions are hard for kids up through Oh, six, seven, sometimes even eight. And it's because they're still developing that kind of theory of mind, the idea of time. What is time? Time's an interesting concept. But tomorrow, long word, hard to spell. Like, whoa, what's tomorrow? And parents often will say, five more minutes, 10 more minutes. What the kids hear is bad, wrong. This is not good. I got to go do something I don't want to do. Right. right. They aren't really getting, oh, five minutes. That'll give me three more ups and two more slides. And uh, that's not what's happening in their brain. Right. So if we know, I think this goes back to our baby example. We have a little baby and they are screaming and crying and their arms are going. 
What are our judgments of that baby? Bad baby, wrong baby. You shouldn't be doing this, baby. But do you think that's true of babies? I mean, I think I'm, that no, that's I'm being facetious. right. I'm like, we I think that really something think shifts. That. What do we think about that? Mm-hmm. What do we? What are, what are the baby has some needs? Right. The needs aren't being met, and I'm the parent, caregiver, teacher, and there's some needs I need to attune to. Right. Unless I'm triggered. I think that's and they to shouldn't me the be key. this way. Mm-hmm. And by the time they're two and four and eight or fourteen, they shouldn't be this way. Right. They should be like me. They should be able to suppress and deny or just fix it. Yes. And that, that just comes from our wiring. And when it doesn't, we get fearful mm-hmm. and we control and maybe attack, right? Yep. To protect us. That's all our nervous system is doing. It doesn't want to, it doesn't want to get uncomfortable. Yep. We're a society of comfort. Yep. We don't want to get uncomfortable. I agree. Well, this does make me think of, so even just yesterday, my six-year-old daughter had what I would, I would say was, would be qualified as a tantrum. <laughs> so she had tried multiple times to make these rubber band bracelets and you work very hard on putting it all together on the little rainbow loom. And, but if the problem is if you did one step incorrectly, it kind of all falls apart. So she had tried twice and it had taken her quite a long time. And on the second time that it all fell apart, when she tried to take it off, she was crying and screaming and rolling around on the ground and saying that the universe hated her and everything hates her today was what she was saying. And I think as I alluded to before, I at least didn't come to recognize that my initial response to that is to try to stop it. That's what's ingrained in me as I, I see this negative reaction in you and I either want to fix it or I want to tell you or find a way to make you stop feeling that way. But knowing that, that's because it's making me uncomfortable. And so for me, that was the biggest piece that I had to learn is the reason that I'm getting so stressed out by you having this tantrum is because it's making me uncomfortable. And so I thought that the biggest thing for me was make sure that she's safe, say some things maybe to help her gain a little perspective. But the biggest thing was to just validate it. Like you had mentioned was to say, I get it. You worked for a really long time on that. And that was very frustrating. And she had one that she had successfully made earlier in the day and she was throwing it around. I'm going to throw this away. I hate this thing. And so, you know, I, right or wrong, I said, you know, I'm going to hold on to this because you're having a lot of feelings right now. And I don't think it's good to make permanent decisions when you're feeling like you're having a lot of emotions. So I'm going to hold on to this. And if you want to throw it away later, we'll throw it away. So, I, I mean, she's fine today. Was I don't know. Was it effective in the moment to help regulate and bring her back? I think, I mean, I think so. It was, to me at least, I felt like it was a better response than maybe I've had in the past. So I think, again, just the two things for me to keep in mind was this is triggering me. And so my desire to shut this down has more to do with me than you. Mm-hmm. And then saying what what would be best for you in this situation. So... Well, and that sometimes when, when we can helpful. take it even a step further and ask ourselves, what would I need in this space mm-hmm. when it's just not working and I'm so frustrated and I've spent two hours, I just set up a new printer over at my office mm-hmm. the other one and it's supposed to be three easy click and go steps. It wasn't I was <laughs> on the phone with brother and, oh, and I just, 
what did I need in that space? Yep. Good advice. Right. I needed somebody to say, maybe even join me. So think about meeting her on the floor, kicking. This is the dumbest thing. This bracelet set, these rubber bands, these are the worst. (laughs) I hate them too. Oh, I can see why you don't like these. Yeah. Co-regulation. She's, I mean, you validated, but she's feeling you with her in this Mm -hmm. space of uncomfort, discomfort. It's not comfortable for her either. Right. Right. So we're just matching her affect. It's a little scary sometimes for parents because they think, oh, we don't want to add fuel. Mm-hmm. But actually try it a few times. You'll be surprised that actually sometimes they'll even start to giggle to see <laughs> you in this angry mom. Like, but you've, I got a partner in this. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're hearing me. Good. I love it. So the next question really has to do with something you talked about earlier. So when parents are feeling unworthy or a sense of shame, what are some actionable items that they can do in order to not transfer those feelings to their child? So let's say it is shame and we want to regulate that shame. We're just, we're feeling that intense, unworthy. There's something really wrong with me. Bad uh, parent moment. Take a breath and we ask ourselves, why am I feeling the shame? That Mm -hmm. could be back to some story of childhood or bad parenting stuff that we need to clean up. Might be a little more guilt. Do we shame parents off the parenting island for... Okay, let's go to the rubber band example. I like that because I think (laughs) one that I've done in the past is I will just scoop it up. And if you can't play with it nicely, you're not going to play with it at all. That would be a very common one that I would use when things aren't working mm-hmm. to protect myself. And I just put it when you are lovable and as you need me to be, I will bring it back out and I'll put it up really high so you can't get to it. And it's a little punishment in there, right? I mean, that's a standard parenting sure. technique. Do we shame parents off the island of parenting life for a rubber band fiasco? We don't. No. And then we'd ask, what is it that you've done for your child in the last year? How about their whole life? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I carried him for nine months and <laughs> birthed him and that was something else. And then uh, fed him, mm-hmm. clothed him, educated, loved, spent time, vacation. Got him to school on, da-da-da-da, got him to soccer and read them books every night and it was the same one over and over. I was ready to lose my mind, but I did it over and over because they enjoyed it. And so I try to get parents to think, what have you done? Because for some reason, that's not the immediate, I don't know if we're just wired this way. We go to all that we haven't done. That is very true. So much more often. So really challenging the belief. Do I need to be shamed? Who do we shame off the island? Charlie Manson? I don't know if our audience would know Charlie Manson, um, who's uh, Jeffrey Dahmer. I mean, there are some characters we don't let play anymore, right? (sighs) Getting upset about some rubber bands and a bracelet, mm -mm, not even in the ballpark, but it can feel that way in the moment for parents. So we try to get them to explore that, challenge that, and then just play the tape of what have you done? What have you done in the last week? Even Mm -hmm. And the list is long. Absolutely. Well, I think 
what that speaks to is something we've talked about a few times in a lot of realms is just kind of giving yourself that grace to realize I'm human. I carry with me all kinds of stress and a history of emotional baggage, some of it positive, some of it negative. So to not expect perfection from yourself. And I think just to the first step, I think, is just to recognize in yourself, why do I think I'm feeling this way? And then build on that would be, I guess, my suggestion. Beautiful first step. And then let's say we blow it. And you threw that rubber band thing across the room and now she's scared and she runs to her room to hide because mm -hmm. we're going to have those parenting moments too. Yep. Part two is we need to learn how to repair it mm -hmm. because fear, guilt, and shame will just, we'll avoid it. We'll pretend like it didn't happen. It wasn't, we'll minimize it. Not that big of a deal to really go in and own that as a parent. Don't blame the child. Right. I overreacted. That was my anger getting the best of me. And that wasn't okay. Because otherwise our kids can grow up thinking that they're responsible for our emotions. Yes. And that isn't always healthy long-term for us as mm -hmm. we grow up. So where'd these come from? <laughs> so what about those instances where you absolutely do need your child to do something? So what about we need to get in the car now, or we're not going to make it to the airport in time for our flight. We need to, you need to go into school because you have to go to school and I have to go to work. What about those times? Is is that when, I mean, do you hold that parent card for those situations where it's more imperative that they do what you want them to do now? Or, or what would be your advice, I guess, for parents so in those situations? Let, let's not get there is number one. You know, if we can get a few basic tools will find that when I am getting the car, you have to, you're making us late. We talked about this earlier. Mm -hmm. That sounds like my morning. Is today. that <laughs> going to be effective in getting people going? Mm -hmm. If we can regulate ourselves, attune and think about, wait a minute, an airplane ride, we're up at 530 in the morning, a new space. We talked about how important structure and knowing, and if their brains don't quite know where we're going and mom and dad have sure been anxious this last week, not bad. Just you've been getting ready for this trip. Mm -hmm. If we can attune to, Oh, maybe Charlie's just having a little fear. No, I'm not going. No, I'm staying in my room. Oh, and it's scary. Can I go lay down next to him? Mm-hmm. No, because Zip. there's no time. <laughs> that battle's going to take two, three, four, five minutes, maybe. Mm -hmm. 30 seconds, I drop in and lay next to you and just look you in the eye. Tough morning. All of a sudden, there's a little bit of space. There's a little bit of room. Now, if my six years of history have been you, 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 mm -hmm. we, we may not get that nice resolve the first time, but that's why the parent work is so important. Well, I think that that brings to your point. So maybe you do have to pull that card once in a while, but I if say you're doing a lot, make the repair, but after mm -hmm. about age hmm, seven, eight, nine, I'll tell you the, uh, the story that, that really gets parents or the, the behavior that happens to parents middle school 
early high school is when the child talks back in a, in a very disparate, maybe uses language inappropriate for mm-hmm. the house. Mm-hmm. Duh, mom. You don't say that to your mother, says dad. You do not. You apologize right now. Mm-hmm. And then the kid says it again. Whoa, mm-hmm. what's happening here? You do not go to your room. The child walks out. Or First, it's give me your phone. Right. The child hands over the phone. Here it is. I don't want it. Ooh, now we get really nervous as parents. Like, whoa, that didn't work. That was the most important thing. And then they walk out the front door, down the driveway, down the street. And you yell, come back here. And they look back and smile and keep on walking. And they've just realized that this power and control system can be used in reverse. Mm. And it feels really good to that child. So that's why we don't even want to get there. Right. Because then we're threatening Boys Town. We're driving through the Boys Town campus. We're, you know, it, it, it just gets just messy escalates. at that age mm-hmm. because they get to a size too. Yeah. They don't, you can't just put them in that car seat anymore. Right. You can't just pick up, you know, so that's why these skills are so imperative to learn. On the daily. I think that to me, the takeaway is a lot of it is practice this on the daily so that when you're having those instances, which are maybe a little bit more stressful or a little bit more significant, hopefully that will help hedge against how, how bad those situations get if your daily practices have yeah. been a little bit more regulated. Your child says, Mom, last night I watched the movie Flight with Denzel, and man, that plane went upside down, and somehow he got it, but, but then it crashed, and I, I don't know if I want to get on an airplane. Right. But for a young boy to say that he's afraid, and see how that emotion is so embedded in there. I can't share that I'm afraid. Everybody else is so excited. I don't want to make mom sad. I, but all of a sudden it becomes too overwhelming. And he can't get on that plane because he doesn't want to die. Yep. And if we can't attune to that, we're going to attack. The system's just trying to stay alive. That's all it's doing. Mm-hmm. But if we can lay next to him for a moment, in 30 seconds, it actually, if you just wait 30 seconds, you know, five seconds, of silence right here, right? Don't know if you guys can it's use that, <laughs> but five seconds, all of a sudden we start to get a little uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like, what's going on here? And we go inside first. It gives that space to, okay, what's happening inside of me? Yeah. Thank you so much. That was, I think, very informative for me and hopefully for all of our listeners. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Oh, it was wonderful. So, Thank you guys so much for tuning in for another episode of Feeding the Family with Dr. Kristen. If you're enjoying our episodes, please be sure to join us on our Facebook and Instagram pages or like us on YouTube. And we hope to see you again soon for another episode coming next Monday. See you soon.